Welcome to Business Baby, a small business podcast for pals. If you want to call me baby, yeah, go ahead. If you like business, maybe, yes, what I said. And if you want to talk for hours, come on, go ahead. And if you need to buy some flowers, that's business, baby. We're talking to Aki from Save the Sea Foods. 100% plant-based smoked salmon, perfectly mimics the taste and texture. A small business rooted in sustainability. Well, 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 it's Save the Seafoods. Hello. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Maybe a little nervous, but other than yep. that, good. Yep. <laughs> uh, we usually start off every podcast. Uh, do you remember how we met? Yes. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I was the one who reached out to you. I'm based in Victoria on the west coast of Canada, and we had just launched or were about was about to launch in Ontario. And you know, you know how you you follow people yes. that yeah. you know you are inspired by and. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I just reached out and was like, yo, we're coming to Ontario. How can we collaborate? Yeah. And you were like, I'd love to be on the podcast. And it <laughs> made me feel so good about myself because I always feel like every time I ask someone to be on the podcast, it's like really annoying for them. You know what I mean? Oh gosh, no way. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I don't think it's a, maybe a, for me, it's just a little bit more nerve wracking. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh gosh, like, who cares about what I have to say? <laughs> really? <laughs> Every time I record an episode, I always think, like, do I only tell the same stories? Like, I started <laughs> to get in my head where I'm like, people got to be getting bored by now. Um, and then randomly, so I was in, BC for the plant expo. And I saw you posting, you were going to be a speaker there, but I hadn't really posted that I was there at all because it was, um, it was during like the flooding and, uh, I didn't like, I was there, but I didn't want to be like, Oh, I'm in BC. You know what I mean? Like it was such a weird time to be like, I don't know. I was like, just trying to be sensitive and I didn't really know how to like maneuver. Um, and I didn't want people to be like, why are you traveling? Um, yeah, fair enough. So I saw you were posting, you were giving a talk at Planted Expo. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be there like tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So then I came by your booth, which I think you might remember. I don't know. I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, that, that, that Planted was so awesome. So we are a brand that launched in COVID. So had literally not done a single demo. You know, I haven't met a a single customer in person. I'm I'm exaggerating slightly, but so to have to meet 5,000 like-minded peeps who, you know, if they haven't tried your product, they, they, you know, they, they can't wait to try it and, and, you know, love, love what you do. It was so amazing I, I don't yeah I don't know the last time I felt that that I don't know fueled yeah yeah 100 percent doing vegan events like I feel like I've done a lot of farmers markets or whatever but just like doing the vegan ones where you don't have to like explain to someone that you're a vegan business or like explain totally. why it's, you know what I mean like it's a completely different energy at these vegan events because you don't have to like justify your business before you even pitch. Do you know what I mean? Yep. 
And yeah. I just like, I'm so appreciative of when there's vegan night markets or vegan events, festivals, whatever, like I like doing whatever events I can do, but I always prioritize just vegan because like, I don't know. I feel like maybe I've had a business too long where I get a little bit of an attitude. If someone's like, Oh, I don't like vegan. I'll be like, right. it's, it's, I'll just be like, Oh, it's not for you then. Where I feel like I should be like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, oh, well, don't worry about it then. Yeah. You don't have to do any convincing or selling. It's like, we're, yeah. 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 But, you know, in some, yeah, it is in some ways, you know, you're preaching to the choir, which, you know, we we need to talk to a broader audience. But I guess what also impressed me is how broad the audience was. Because you would think that it's like just the diehard vegans, but there were lots of peeps there that were either, you know, plant curious or uh, came with a family member who is vegan. So it it did feel a bit broader than just speaking to vegans. A hundred percent. I always say like, so I, I started my um, business plan and everything and, and pitching for loans and everything like six years ago for my business. And when I used to take meetings and tell people it was going to be a vegan business, people like literally could not (laughs) believe I thought I could pay the rent on veganism. Like people were like, no dairy at all. You're going to have a coffee (laughs) shop with no dairy. Nobody's going to come in. And I I just remember being like, oh, I think people don't know that veganism. And maybe because I had a lot of vegan friends, I always thought veganism was a big thing. And even when we first opened, like our first year, we had so many people walk out when they found out we didn't have dairy, like storm out. Whereas (laughs) now and, and like the planted expo is a good example of that even if people are not vegan, they're always like, oh, well, I do love oat milk. You know what I mean? And then you're like, okay, okay, aunt, I see you with your oat milk. You know what I mean? Like, they're always like, well, I'm not vegan, but I don't drink any milk. You know what I mean? Like, it's always that totally. Yeah. There's like a, definitely a higher level of, uh, acceptance or even willingness to try. Maybe that's because there's like more premium products, better products. You know what I mean? Um, 100%. Yeah. Plant-based is a thing now and it is mainstream. And that is what is so exciting about being a plant-based business right now. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. Yeah. Um, before we hop into that though, I do want, I did want to say, can you tell us about what you do first? So people know yes, what's up. Course. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. So I'm the founder and CEO of Save the Sea. And we are a plant-based seafood company that makes products that are minimally processed and made from wholesome ingredients. Easy peasy. Just like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. And then was this, I, I'm always curious because I feel like a lot of business owners I talk to, they have like a long list of businesses they started before the business they're in. Was this your first business or had you been kind of trying to like figure out where you are with being your own boss or an entrepreneur? Yeah. So this is my first business, Uh, but I uh, grew up uh, surrounded by entrepreneurs. My mom and dad uh, had restaurants my whole life. My aunt and uncle had restaurants their whole life. And I worked in these restaurants. But I, uh, I didn't come to, I didn't find, I guess, my passion or what I, you know, that thing that I could start a, start a business around until, uh, my late thirties, you know, save the seat. Yeah. I'm 42 now. And I started it probably, you know, 
just before I turned 40. And uh, do you feel like because you grew up around small business, you felt like it was a more accessible because I feel like people who don't see a model of small business, it feels really out of their reach. But like for me, this the same thing, like my dad owned his own business growing up. So I just always assumed people were just starting their own businesses. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just all like, oh, well, when I'm ready, I'll, I'll have my own business. Do you think because you saw a lot of models of how to run a business and you worked in small business, it just seemed like a more accessible journey for you? Yeah, I don't, you, you would think that was the case, but I'm not so sure it was because surely I would have started a business much earlier, had, yeah, yeah. Had, you know, had I had the courage. And so, you know, if, if anything, you know, my parents worked so hard, you know, running a restaurant yeah. is my, my dad was the, the chef and my mom worked the front of house yeah, and yeah. my, you know, they, I didn't see my dad for, you know, yeah. most of my life because he was in the kitchen until yeah. 10 p.m. every night. Um, and so maybe if anything, it made it a little scarier. So, yeah. so actually Save the Sea was, uh, you know, you know, I, I say I started it when I was almost 40, but it, I didn't dive into the business actually, like didn't commit to doing it full time until uh, about a year ago. Okay. Uh, it was a side, it was a side hustle yeah. while I was running my family's Japanese restaurants for gosh, over a year. Yeah. Um, and then what, what brought you then to even starting that as a side hustle? Yeah. So it was while I was, so at the time I was running, uh, my family's Japanese restaurants, mm. this was my aunt and uncle's Japanese restaurants. And, the, uh, I became vegan in 2018 yeah. and I was looking for seafood alternatives. Half our staff was vegan yeah. and, uh, we had a lot of vegan customers, you know, uh, it, the, the restaurants were in Whistler. So very young demographic, a okay. ski resort okay. town. Yeah. And so I, and at that time, I could not find any options. We used a supplier called GFS, and yeah. and the only vegan option they had was Daya cheese slices. I, literally, I know. Oh my god, <laughs> I know. Because like, I don't mean to interrupt, but we use Cisco no. a little bit here and there, and even that is like getting vegan products from them is like pulling teeth, and getting consistent vegan products from them is like pulling. Te- you know what I mean? Like, so I I totally I totally hear you. Sorry continue. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, but like that, and that's, it was even, you know, I, it's, I'd say it's like pretty good. Now you can get a beyond burger. You can get meat. Like it's, you know, it's, it's night and day, but yeah. in 2018, the slim pickings. Yeah. And so I just, I just started. And, and at the same time, I would, you know, I, I was aware of beyond and impossible. They, these were yeah. big brands taking yeah. on, you know, big meat. Yeah. And so I just, I just started developing my own recipes. I'm like, this is a ginormous opportunity. Like, how is nobody doing this? Because even, even now, I feel like literally no one is really doing vegan seafood uh, good, especially. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, fast forward to today and there are definitely a lot more options than that were, and maybe not so much in Canada. Yeah. I can see you're seeing a lot of brands crop up in the U S and yeah. in the, you know, in Europe, there's, they seem miles ahead of us in terms of plant-based yeah. options. Um, but still definitely not as many as meat. It's, and, and I think that there's, there's, that's for a few reasons. It's, it's not so easy. Uh, you know, you think about meat and, you know, we essentially just eat three types of meat, 
beef, pork, and chicken. Yeah. But if you think about seafood and the, you know, how, how many species we eat from, yeah. from salmon to, you know, scallops to lobster, like, and so there's, there's the variety, but also the complexity around mimicking, yeah. you know, a, a fish flesh. Yeah. The texture is so like, okay. So first off a few things I wanted to note. So I find, so I'm in Ottawa. I find when I'm in BC, there's a lot more options even out West than there is in Ottawa. And I don't know if it's cause you guys have more access to getting stuff, but I even like saying like, you guys have more stuff there. I think even in BC, there's like so much more options for that kind of stuff than there is in Ottawa. Sometimes I find right. it like really hard to source stuff. And I don't know if it's because it feels like we're so like landlocked that it's like hard to find that kind of product. But I definitely, even just in Canada, I feel like there's such a huge difference in, um, access to, to vegan stuff. Um, and then I did want to hop to the texture thing that you said. I feel like I always get tricked into buying vegan shrimp and it's always gross. And I don't think like people are not talking about how vegan shrimp is just always gross. Like, I feel like I'm the only one who has the courage to say it's not it. It just tastes like rubber. I don't you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. I, re- I remember shrimp. And that I mean, that is a, you know, from a texture side, that exactly. is a complex. It's got this like firmness, yet yep. this kind of bounce that it, it's it's going to take a lot of science and, yeah. and you know there already are options out there and maybe not in Canada yet but but I will say this it's important to stress our whole thing is because yeah. there are many different paths yeah. and we're really going uh, uh, on where we're following the minimally processed made from simple ingredients path right yeah. so yeah. so sh- we probably won't ever try shrimp and never say never but never say never <laughs> <laughs> But like, I can't think of it. There's no vegetable that I know of that can mimic that texture you find in shrimp. And so there's going to be certain uh, seafood species that we will tackle before we do shrimp. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I've just given up on it personally. Um, So (laughs) I'm just like, good riddance, shrimp. Um, (laughs) So I wanted to ask you, when you started developing your own recipes, uh, how was the reception to that at the restaurants you were running where people really excited about it. Like how did it kind of develop? Yeah. So, I mean, that was, you know, in some ways the fact that it was a side hustle from my restaurant, you know, running a restaurant was kind of perfect because I got to implement my products onto our menu because I got, I got to choose the products and it was so, it was, it was really great. And I would say it, it wasn't so much just our products, but we there are many uh, Japanese restaurants in Whistler, yeah. and the the way we were able to differentiate ourselves was the fact that we offered plant based options. Yeah, you know, if you think about any typical experience at a Japanese restaurant, to get a vegan option is impossible, or yeah. uh, other than yeah. you know the typical like avo roll or yeah. some like cucumber roll. Yeah. But we we went beyond that. We created you know, beautiful dishes that were liked by vegans and non-vegans alike. Cause it wasn't just, you know, sushi minus the fish, but we created plant-based dishes and like equal amount of seafood dishes as plant-based dishes. We were not a, a vegan sushi restaurant, but we yeah. had so many vegan Like options. a vegan menu when you actually come in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I feel like that's so key. Like I feel like a lot of the restaurants here I love are not even vegan restaurants, but there's like a lot of care put into their like vegan menu. Yes. Um, and that's definitely like, for me, it's like the way to go. Um, so then you're developing your, are you, were you just using the kitchen to make your product or were you renting a different space somewhere else? Well, at first it was just literally using the kitchen and then eventually moved to a, a commissary kitchen. And then how quickly did things start to blow up? Cause I feel like you said you were doing it as a side hustle for like a year before you committed to it. So it feels like there was a pretty quick turnover into becoming like full-time. No. Uh, oh gosh. It felt, it felt long, but yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I guess so. So basically I had a, a baby. Yeah. And so yeah. that, so I went on mat leave. And so that kind of gave me a little bit more time to focus on the business. Yeah. And so that's really the, the where I, where I, I transitioned from my old job and, you know, was, was putting more effort into save the sea into marketing it and, and sales. And it was in that period that I validated the, the pro the idea. Um, after mat leave, you went into it full time, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then what does it look like? So from there, does it look like you guys are just preparing for uh, kitchen service kind of stuff? Or were you like full on wholesale right away? Yeah. So because it's so, it, uh, this is another pivot we had to do when I first launched the product yeah. and it was pre COVID. Um, it, we were, I, I was thinking food service all the yeah. way. I come yeah. from restaurants. So naturally, yeah. you know, I, my network is with chefs yeah. and I had relationships with GFS and the big distributors and then COVID hit yeah. and all restaurants were closed down. And I was like, oh, wow, this is not a yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, viable customer. And so we yeah. had to pivot to retail pretty quickly, which wasn't that I, retail was always on the on on the roadmap, yeah. but we had to get product retail ready packaging yeah. much faster than we anticipated. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of like an even like an unspoken pivot that I feel like a lot of businesses don't talk about. Like, for example, we did a ton of wholesale of our product pre COVID. And then when COVID hit, we lost all of our wholesale accounts because everyone was closing or they didn't have enough money to like literally order baked goods. Like it just didn't make sense for them anymore. And it was just like, I feel like it just shifted our business so much. Like we don't even, even when we reopen now, like I don't even do a lot of wholesale now. I only have one or two accounts now. Whereas before I had like a, a roster of accounts. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it was just like, oh, I guess that for us, that way of doing business is over. Um, and then I found personally for me, instead of relying on wholesale, um, I thought maybe it's more important to focus on making products that you can actually only get at Little Joe's. And if it's super exclusive and it's one of a kind, people are going to feel like they have to get it um, from us. They have to comfort it because it's like so new and vegan instead of like mass producing like the same thing for a bunch of shops doing like hyper kind of like interesting products just for our space. Um, right. Cause I also feel like in COVID and yeah, I mean, still now, like we're like, I don't know what it's like there, but in Ottawa, it's really bad right now. Um, yeah. We're in lockdown right now here. Uh, and we have the most cases we've ever had. 
And it's kind of the same thing. Like people have spending fatigue right now. It's really hard to encourage people to come to the shop. It's really hard to encourage people to order at all. So I feel like I'm doing like these extreme cakes or like these, like, right. You know, like <laughs> things that I'm like, Oh, I miss the days where I just bake sheets of cookies. Now I'm doing like something that's like, like I'm always on Pinterest being like, interesting cakes and like looking for things that are like most extreme vegan you know what I mean like I'm always trying to like up the ante now um right but the pivoting in COVID is just like I already feel like as a small business owner all you do is adapt and pivot and then when we got in COVID I was like I don't really know how much gas is left in the tank to keep doing this you know yeah yeah, no, I, I, I hear you and I feel you. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are not the issues that we face, yeah, but yeah. I, uh, but just, we've just faced them elsewhere in our yeah. business. And then, um, so I want to talk a little bit about, I've seen a lot of posting on your Instagram around the idea of, uh, salmon are sacred. And I guess like, it's not really something I've thought about. And when I was reading the post, I was like, yeah, I feel like this isn't really like in my wheelhouse because it's not, it's like out of mind for me. Um, but can you talk about that a little bit and kind of like what inspired that kind of thinking for you? Yeah, absolutely. So on the, on the Pacific Northwest, we are, we are so blessed with traditionally really large uh, salmon, wild salmon runs and wild yeah. salmon populations. And over the years, the, the salmon populations have been getting lower and lower and so low. In fact, just this past July, uh, we faced the, you know, record low salmon populations yeah. um, and a bunch of BC restaurants, uh, you know, kind of showing solidarity with our wild salmon, removed it from their menus um, okay, to yeah. do their part to help salmon populations recover. Because and, and yes, it's not. Uh, it, it's a it's a myriad of reasons, yeah. but overfishing is is up there. It's yeah. definitely part of the problem. Yeah. And it was so interesting when I was reading these articles, when I was seeing these articles pop up, you know, as somebody who uh, loves, I, I love salmon. That's why I started this business. Yeah. And I thought that the, the, the solution of these restaurants was to serve other fish species. And some even brought in farmed salmon, which is, yeah. gosh, don't get me started on the- No, the I want to know. I, do, I actually do want to <laughs> learn. So I might I might actually get you started because I, 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 I do want to learn for sure. But they were bringing in farmed salmon from New Zealand, which is, you know, quote, unquote, sustainable. Yeah. yeah. And it was so odd to me that nowhere were you seeing people talk about maybe not eating yeah. fish or- yeah maybe switching to a plant-based diet and reducing our intake of fish. Yeah, that, yeah. Maybe that could be part of the solution. Uh, so I just found it so infuriating yeah. um, because it just seems so obvious to me that we need to reduce our intake of it. And I'm not saying everybody has to be vegan. I, yeah, I don't necessarily not. think yeah, that that's yeah. feasible or reasonable either, but yeah maybe we shouldn't eat it three meals a day, or maybe we shouldn't eat it seven days a week. Yeah. And I saw in that post, you had also kind of said like when there's, and I'm, I'm not, you're going to have to correct me probably, but, um, kind of like one of the last bullet points that you made is that salmon actually, uh, go a long way to feeding indigenous communities. And mm -hmm. 
um, it's very much part of like their culture and we're just like overfishing and not being mindful of that and just like taking so much. Um, and even I think there's this element of veganism where people are like, don't ever eat meat. Don't touch meat. Meat is bad. You are wrong. You are a sinner if you eat meat without like keeping in mind like that's actually like really problematic attitude. And it's like, there's a lot of like ignorance around culture in that. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. And I, and so that in that, that's why I try to be very, if, if I, this is, this is one way we can all make a difference is by, uh, you know, choosing um, the most sustainable, uh, options. And yeah. so it's not, salmon is not central to my culture. Yeah. So why don't I do my part and yeah. not eat it? And that, that doesn't mean that I, you know, uh, other people like, like indigenous, what it, because it, it, it is salmon are central to indigenous yeah. culture. Yeah. Um, you know, and in the post I talk about wild Pacific salmon specifically are, um, I, I, are used not only for food, but they see salmon as offering wisdom to those who approach it with respect. And so yeah. um, being respectful of that, mm-hmm. the part I think of the way that I can contribute on an individual level, it's by choosing not to eat it. Yeah. Can you, um, I know you said you didn't want to get started about farm salmon, <laughs> but can you actually explain that a little bit to me? Like you were saying they're importing farm salmon from New Zealand. Yeah, well, so specific to BC, we um, we have a lot of salmon farms on our on our on our coast. Yeah, and most so in, in in smoked salmon. So our product is a plant based smoked salmon made from yeah. carrots. Lots of people don't know this. Fifty percent of smoked salmon is farmed, and farmed salmon. If you have ever seen a a salmon pen, it is totally unnatural. Okay. They have thousands of fish uh squashed in a in a small pen and they they uh they poop there (laughs) they you know they're bacteria ridden and and all of that uh all of that bacteria they're they're essentially just consuming it all and uh so if you think of that that's what you eat uh so these farmed fish are then you know mass uh mass slaughtered and and sent to grocery stores and if you see videos of these farmed salmon in the water they've got uh they've got sores and some some you can yeah. see down to the bone the the, the conditions that they are living yeah. in is yeah. repulsive and then to think you eat that yeah it's, it's just there, disgusting even just that element of it like i would never be like I never want to push veganism on anyone because it's like really not my place. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it's just gross. Like, like they're in just yeah. such bad unhygienic conditions. Like when you're talking about that, I was like, that doesn't sound appetizing. And they have warped heads and it's because people don't, they're so detached yeah. when they've never seen a beautiful wild salmon. Like if you yeah. saw a side-by-side comparison, you, there was no way you would buy that farmed salmon because yeah. you would know how deformed it is. And I think the other important piece about farmed salmon is the, they are not farming salmon that is uh, native to the West Coast. They're bringing in Atlantic salmon. Okay. So there's obviously huge salmon. These these farmed salmon escape, and uh, and and in you know some cases um, 
are harming our existing wild salmon yeah. populations. Yeah. So not only are we overfishing our salmon populations, now we're injecting bacteria-ridden yeah. uh yeah foreign salmon in our waters that is it's further poisoning our wild salmon populations. So then when you were seeing that there wasn't a lot of alternatives like vegan solutions, were you, was sustainability like really in mind at the beginning of you starting your business? Or do you feel like as you were learning more about making your own plant-based product, is that when you dived in or was that like a driving force at the beginning for you? I, I wouldn't, I, I would say that I learned more about the issues around farm salmon, like yeah. for, down the road. It was, yeah. you know, and it's so funny. My initial, I, I always uh, tell, I, I tell this people, you know, one of the questions I get a lot is like, why did you become vegan? And my reason for becoming vegan was actually health driven. I read okay. this book, How Not to Die. Yeah. Uh, it's a very compelling read of like, <laughs> <Okay>. basically <laughs> like tw- the 20 top, diseases that yeah. are either uh, preventable or even reversible by eating a plant-based diet. And so my, my motivation was health, but yeah. it has become so much more than that as I, you know, dive in and, and yeah. obviously the environment is a huge motivation yeah, as course. is animal welfare. I mean, now they all feel equally important, but yeah. my gateway was actually health. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been vegan so long. I don't even like remember what brought me to it. I just feel like I'm just, I think there's so much options now that I don't ever feel like going back to not being vegan. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like I've been vegan for so long and veganism has come so far and I've just seen like the benefits in so many ways in my life that I could just like, I'm just like, I can get any flavor ice cream vegan now why would I not? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm just here. Hey, you. Huh? Want to get informed about green business practices, understand your options, and find some free resources for your biz? Heck yeah. Then you need to visit Ottawa Green Business by EnviroCenter. But what if my business is on a tight budget? Oh, you mean you need free resources? No, I said tight budget. Weren't you listening? Yikes. Well, if you like free things like me, I love them. In fact, they have the Green Business Toolkit, lots of free workshops about sustainability and how to make your business green, and of course, an info blog you can follow that covers a buttload of topics. Although what green business is so cool. Although what green business is the best. Although what green business. Bye, Enviro Center. Honestly, Ray, as the manager of a small business, what does sustainability look like for you? For me, sustainability would look like having like nice and easy things that you can do in your day that don't like impede like just your every everyday like regular tasks that you already have to do in a small business yeah because I think a lot of times when people want to make their business more green they always think like I don't know anything about my impact I don't know anything about sustainability I don't know how to change I already have a million emails to answer and it can be quite daunting wouldn't you agree 
Yeah, very daunting. And don't you wish there was a place where you could just like go, like like just look it up online and maybe someone else has already figured this out? Like a place that would just have a bunch of resources ready for you already, you mean? I'm thinking of something like that exactly. Do you know of anything? I do know of something. If your business is ready to take concrete action on climate, reduce emissions, build projects, set targets, and track progress, you want personalized support and customized tools to get you there, visit ottawagreenbusiness.ca by EnviroCenter. EnviroCenter is a local environmental organization, and their mission is to help Ottawa achieve its climate targets and provide people, communities, and organizations with practical solutions to lighten their environmental impact. What do I do when I want to take my business sustainability to the next level? Like when I have some walking around money. Oh, you mean pay and have a membership? What does that include? I'm so glad you asked, Raymond. Well, first off, one really cool thing about Ottawa Green Business is, yes, they have a lot of free resources online, so you can just go on their website and learn for free. However, you can also pay for them to come to your workplace and do workshops and teach the whole staff about being a green business and sustainability. And if you want to go even greener, catch me if you can. They have a lot of things they can help you do. Ray, can you list some of the things? Personalized sustainability planning. Target setting. Impact accounting. Green team support. And more. Why do you think it's important to go green? Line? (laughs) (laughs) Line? Line. What? Then you need to visit Ottawa Green Business by EnviroCenter. Enjoy the rest of the show. Okay, so... Then you guys have been around for like, what, like two years now? Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess officially like incorporated in 2018, okay. but really uh, only in retailers for uh, just over a year. And so we okay. launched in BC, okay. obviously yeah. that's where, where we're based. Yeah. Uh, and then we only came to Ontario and Quebec. You know, we're, we're a startup. We're four yeah. people. Yeah. So uh, we only came into Ontario and Quebec in November. Yeah. And then are you, so are you just in Canada? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But we will be launching in the U.S. Oh. in July of this year. That, okay. Yes. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Well, congratulations. That's huge. And you guys are four people now. Can you talk a little bit about your experience of like building your team? Yeah. Uh, we are, so, um, I'm the CEO and I, I, my focus is very much sales and marketing. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we have a, uh, a VP of operations and he looks after all our forecasting and logistics, you know, getting a perishable product across the country yeah. is it's not wild. easy, especially in COVID, especially yeah. when, <laughs> you know, in all the supply chain issues that are, that, that we, we deal with. So he focuses on that. And then we have a, a, a food scientist on our team, uh, who does our product innovation as well as, you know, uh, making our product scalable. And then we have a head of production, um, who looks after production, but we don't produce the product ourselves. We use a co-manufacturer. So okay. that, that is okay. how we're able to have a leaner team yeah. Yeah. than maybe other companies of a similar size. 
Yeah. And then when you were saying you guys got um, like supply issues, I know I brought it up at the beginning. Were you guys really affected by the flooding? Yes, we were. It's only just to get product. So our product has a 75 day shelf life. And so every day matters. And with the the road, the BC was essentially cut off from from Alberta. And so trucks were having to go through the US. And so you can only imagine the time added, the cost added, all of those things. Total freaking headache. Um, And then I wanted to ask, I I know I had mentioned this when I emailed you, I had seen on your personal account, um, you were at a lot of the the protests and the rallies uh, for the Ferry Creek blockade. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because I think it's really important when small businesses like actually like show up for their community um, and especially like physically show up at like these events. Um, and I think in Ottawa, there's probably like a handful of business owners who I know when there's like something like that going on, I'll see them at the events or we'll message each other in advance or we'll try to like send something. Um, what is the community like for you? Do you have like other entrepreneurs who kind of like have that same um, priority as you? Yeah, well, and so so for for listeners who aren't familiar with Fairy Creek, it is a, uh, it's on Vancouver Island and it is a, um, it's the last old growth on the island, essentially, I'm oversimplifying. And it is slated to, well, they are clear cutting in there. Uh, Teal Jones, a a logging company based in BC, has the rights to the the logging, the logging rights there and is clearing trees that are, you know, thousands of years old. And it's, uh, it's, it's tragic, really, because it's it's, like, you live, you literally can't get it back. And it's not like there's that much of it even left. And yeah. so, you know, it's just, and we have a premier who, John Horgan, who blatantly lies and says, yeah. we have stopped old growth logging. And they, they haven't. I mean, yeah. we see these logging trucks going down the highway, like yeah. they're still clear cutting uh, old growth. And so, so we, yes, my, my, it, it, so it's not far away. And so there were a lot of Victoria people in general, but, you know, yeah. from all walks of life, teachers, yeah. scientists, you know, parents, children um, going there to show their solidarity yeah. uh, and try to stop the, the madness. Um, but my reason, so it's my husband actually, who is also an entrepreneur. He's a clothing company called Ecologist. And there he has been very active his whole life. And I, yeah. I I, I don't know if I wouldn't would have gone had he not uh, encouraged us to go. Yeah. And it was only sometimes sometimes you have to see it to understand it. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. of course, I saw it on the news and I, I knew about it. But yeah. it was only after going there and seeing the, the, the people and the sacrifice they were making yeah. to save yeah. these trees, not for us, but yeah. for my son yeah. and my son's children, you know, yeah. as it's. Yeah, I, 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 we, I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, incre- it's so inspiring. That's a really good point you make though, when you said it's different when you go there and see it. Um, a couple summers ago, we had a, a protest here hosted by Indigenous uh, youth and uh, a bunch of business owners went um, and it was a peaceful demonstration. Um, and I feel like, 
like I've been going to like protests and rallies in Ottawa, like since I was since I moved here. Um, but a lot of the things I've been going to, like this is the first time I went to something centered around like indigenous issues. Um, mm. And I had been I think a lot of my activism had been rooted a lot more in like queer issues. So I had been going to like a pro- like a lot of pride stuff, uh, Dyke March, the Gender Diverse March. Um, but this is the first time that I went to something that was like uh, fully led by indigenous youth. Um, yeah. And it was like, I had never seen so much police presence ever doing any kind of rally event, anything. Um, we were at parliament and there was like snipers on the roof. Uh, mm-hmm. I had never, I never in all my time, like it just like unmasked the privilege that I feel like I had been, um, hiding behind doing these kinds of like protests or whatever. Um, thinking like I had never known it would be like that. It was so shocking. And I think it took me back where I was like, wow, I was actually like really safe at those other rallies. I didn't have to deal with that at these other protests. It was like this, and I didn't even have really a reason to be scared, but it was like wild to see that kind of police presence and turnout and police danger. Um, And the whole day was literally being run by indigenous youth. It was like teens. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, what is happening? Like it was so aggressive. And I think for me, it really took me back and it just kind of like remind me like as a white person, why it's actually so important to show up as an ally and like actually see those things and be there. Um, And I think that's a really excellent point that you make, like when you're actually there and you're physically doing the work and you're showing up for your community and you're like, you're kind of like helping them be safe just by being there. Do you know what I mean? hundred percent. It's yes. It's, it's, I I hate to say it's scary because for me, it shouldn't be scary. Like it's such a privileged thing for me to say, but it was really scary seeing that. And it really opened my eyes. Like I was just like, yeah, I mean, I need to be more intentional in my work and really recognize like it is important for me as a business to be posting as a business to be standing up for my community, sharing my resources, calling for action like asking my customers to go and support, asking my other business, like friends to also promote. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's just wild. I think that's such an important point you made. Yeah. And I think, to, you know, to your point, it was so eye-opening for me because, yeah. you know, Fairy Creek is, it, it, it was one, it's one of the few fights that have made the news, but that's yeah. happening across the country, across yeah. the world. Yeah. The same yeah. thing. And that's, that's the same, those same snipers you talk about at that rally were yeah. at the same, are at the same rallies that are, you know, led by indigenous youth in Victoria. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I saw that exact same thing play out and that's been playing out for years and I'm only seeing it now. Because, I know, I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just you know, better late than never, I guess. Yeah. It's really scary. And I'm the same way as you, like, I'm just coming to that now. And I thought I did a lot of work in the community. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm really like actually realizing I'm barely scratching the surface of like the presence I, I should have at these kinds of things. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like whenever I, I, I do these things and I reach out to, there's some businesses in town I'll reach out to and talk to you and be like, oh, are you guys going? Is your staff going? Uh, maybe our staffs can like go together, like this kind of thing. Um, I don't think the community is 
huge as far as like what businesses do that. But for me, it's actually really important to head those businesses who are also showing up because it kind of teaches me like, oh yeah, like this is how, like how the business community should act and this is how they should lead. And, you know, this is how we should represent our businesses and our communities. You know, does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. You show up with how you spend your money. And so businesses should absolutely be a part of the conversation. I mean, to leave them out would be, you're not going to, you're not going to get the, the mass momentum that you need. So yeah, businesses absolutely should be at the table. Because I always think like, sometimes I forget, or I almost have like, um, like perception exhaustion of being like the face of my business where I, I'm like, oh, I just want to be home and I don't care about anything. And I just want to stay in. Like, I'm very much like an introvert uh, and I like being home. Um, and sometimes I, I forget about this element of being a community leader. And mm. like, you're physically, sh- like I have a loca- like a storefront, right? So I physically take up space in my neighborhood. You know what I mean? So like, that means like I have to be giving back to the neighborhood and being a leader and not just like being there and gentrifying and taking up space. Sometimes I almost forget this conversation of like, actually, you're not just like an entrepreneur, you're like, like a leader. And that can look like a lot of things, but it is really important to not just get like complacent in your business. And remember, like, what is to me, at least like, and I think probably to you, because you're so passionate about sustainability, like, what is the ethos of your business? Like, why are you actually showing up as a business? Again, slightly different because we don't have a a physical footprint, right? We're in. And so if anything, it's, I, I, the, 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 what I try to embody with our brand is local wherever we are kind of like, so the way our marketing strategy is actually uh, participating in events like planted. And that may take other forms like concerts or basically driving high quality trial at places that where people share our values so that we can create the, the, you know, be part of a community, even though we're, you know, our team is based in Victoria. Yeah. uh, We, we want to be part of those communities in Ottawa, in, uh, in Montreal, you know, in Winnipeg. Um, And so that's how I think about community. I don't yeah. know if that answers your question. No, no, I think that's a really good point. And when you were when you were saying that, I was wondering, um, because you were kind of saying like your business model is different. So yeah, for me, like I can just go to the bakery down the street and I know the owner and we can have a chat and we can connect because we both have like physical locations that are like open for walk-in. I I want to ask you a little bit about connection, like because you're a wholesale company and you distribute like so far and places you can't just pop into do you feel like a lot of your connection like is just do you try to do it over social media like do you feel like there's options to do that over Instagram you know what I mean like how do you feel like you connect to other businesses that are similar to yours yeah so I mean for all the downfalls of social media it is you know the incredible part of it is to be able to connect with other entrepreneurs with our customers. I, I can't tell you the joy it brings me when I get Instagram messages telling me how 
they just found my product and they <laughs> love it and <laughs> send me pictures of what they do with it. So I, nice. I, I will yeah. never get tired of that. Like I, I, I just like live for it. Yeah. So social media for sure. Uh, and then events, like I, like I said yeah, before, yeah. they're, you know, participating in uh, whether it's kind of plant, plant-based festivals or yeah. uh, concerts or events that, that, that is a huge part of our marketing strategy. And then yeah. I also just straight up reach out to customers because I don't get to, you know, you get to talk to your customers yeah. every day, you yeah. know, their names, you know, you know what they order. I don't get that same opportunity. So I really have to work harder to yeah. You know, I'll notice if somebody has posted multiple times, be like, oh, that that person, you know, they're (laughs) we're a part of their shopping habits. And so I want to get to know them. Like, where do they buy us from? What do they make with our product? Do they want to try some of our new products? So we definitely have I have to make a bigger effort of connecting with those people. I imagine especially like long distance, like if you see someone in Ottawa posting and you're way out in BC, that must be wild to think about your product being out here now. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's, and it's been, it kind of blew me away. It's incredible. I'm from BC. So it is no, no, no surprise that we are succeeding here. Right. Like I, I, this is our hometown. We're a local product. Seeing people pick up our product and and photograph, like Mm -hmm. take the time to photograph their breakfast or lunch or whatever (laughs) they're creating with it. And even though they have never heard of me, never likely never heard of save the sea is, is so incredible. It's so amazing. And it's so validating. I think like every time someone shares little Joe's anything, I'm always just like, (laughs) I haven't lost it yet. You know what I mean? We're like, oh, it's so nice. Um, I want to ask because you brought up, you mentioned new product. What's what's going on with this? Yeah. So uh, in February, so next month, uh, late February, we'll be launching. So we have only one product in market right now, a plant-based milk salmon made from carrots. And that's pretty odd for a, a consumer packaged goods company. Usually you have kind of at least three, they call them SKUs on yeah, shelf. Yeah. Um, so we are launching two more new products, uh, a, a line extension of our smoked salmon. So a, 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 a dill and caper version. We're positioning oh God, it kind of ready to eat. So you yeah, just yeah, open the so pack. Yum put on your sandwich. You don't need to have capers and dill. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I just don't have capers in my fridge. Never. Um, yeah. <laughs> never. Right? Yeah. Never. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then a tuna salad made so uh, using jackfruit. So, um, cool. so, and that product will, um, it, it's all, again, ready to eat. So with the mayo, with onion, with pepper and lemon. And again, you just open the pack and put it on your sandwich. That's amazing. Um, is that one in shop or in shops yet? Or when, when did you say that one comes out? Late February. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I get your stuff through John Luca and, yep. uh, I had emailed my rep to be like, I don't know if it's here yet, but can you put a note on her <laughs> file? I want the tuna when it's here. Like I'm very, like, I love tuna. Um, so I'm very excited to try that. Um, and then my last question, I kind of just like to ask everyone this. Uh, so if you weren't running a sustainable plant-based company, what would you be doing? Is there another path you think about another career? Um, oh gosh, I do think about, I I daydream about this for sure. Me too. Uh, (laughs) All all, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, my first answer 
would be it is probably I have a three-year-old son yeah. and he is, he is just everything to me yeah I, and you know it's so uh cliche but I, I honestly I every I adore every move he makes and every word he says really? so part of me thinks that I would I would want to be with him more but at the same time I yeah. think you know I I do think it's important to to uh you know, be, be like, I, I think a working mom is just as valuable a role model yeah. as a stay at home mom. Like, I don't think yeah. one is better than the other. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'll be my answer. Maybe yeah, hanging just, out with him more. Like, just more time would be nice. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Very relatable. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's all the questions I had planned. Um, I really appreciate you reaching out, wanting to be on the pod. Uh, makes me feel really good about myself that you wanted to chat. Um, so thank you so much. Oh gosh. Thank you. I, it was an honor and I love, uh, I, I love it's, it's so great to, to chat with other entrepreneurs, yeah. other plant-based entrepreneurs. Yes, exactly. Yes. And I'm so excited to try the tuna. Okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> thank you. Bye. This is a little segment we like to call today me and ray are tackling something very controversial um some people might actually tune out during this talk i think it's going to be such a hot debate uh the thing that really grinds our gears and the thing we're raging against this week is uh literally going to work ray (laughs) yeah going to work honestly it never stood a chance to begin with. Yeah. Woof. Because this is what going to work is contending against. Going to work was always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this thing where oh, people come to me and then they make money while they're at me. And then they didn't realize that the other thing that exists is a warm bed you have to get out of. Literally every single morning of my life, I'm thinking of closing my business to sleep more. What's the deal with that? Yeah, it's just because when faced with the reality of leaving the bed and Chugs <laughs> is just continuing to sleep and doesn't want to go outside to begin with in the morning and he flips on his so- back. This is the thing about the dog who lives in our house, Chugs. Um, he hates getting out of bed. You have to like trick him or pull him out of bed in the morning. Most dogs wake up and they're like, oh, I want to walk. Oh, I want to eat. Not Chugs. Sometimes I wake up to go to work and I go brush my teeth and he doesn't even get out of the bed at all. He stays in the bed. So I go brush my teeth. Sometimes I floss about once a week. I've been told that's not enough. Um, But I'll go back and I go to be like, okay, Chugs, time, time to go outside. And you know what he's done? He snuck upstairs into Ray's bed. Because <laughs> he knows I'm not waking up. Frickin' Houdini chugs. <laughs> he's not going to wake up. He's going to come upstairs to daddy and go under his weighted blanket. It's like, okay, so you have a lazy daddy who sleeps till 1 p.m. every day. I don't sleep till 1 p.m. <laughs> this is the thing about Ray is he like famously denies that he likes to sleep all day, but I've always known him to sleep till like sometimes 4 or 5 p.m. That's not true. Okay. I I sleep till 9.30. Why 9:30. are you lying? What do you get out of lying? 
the what? truth. Oh, so you get the truth from lying? No, you're twisting this is so my words. backwards. This is just like a PSA about the kind of person raised. <laughs> Anyways, I want to get back to the point of this conversation. Going to work is ridiculous. I literally never feel inspired to go to work anymore. I hate every single morning when I wake up. Do you think the monotony of every day being the exact same in lockdown has made it worse? Because you just don't want to start the day? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. It's just because I've just been doing this forever. We've been doing this forever. So at our house, this episode's being recorded uh, during lockdown. This is the segment of it, at least. And um, we haven't seen anyone outside of our roommates in three weeks, four weeks now, just the house. Mm -hmm. And that means every day for us is work. And then we come home and we just wait. And then we fall asleep and work. Um, and for someone with anxiety like myself, I haven't been sleeping much at night. So when I finally get to sleep... Last thing I want to do is wake up ever. Yeah. I go to bed late because I'm like, I want more of my day. So I'll go to bed at 2 a.m. Do you think the idea of you being like, I want more of my day is like, I just want to feel something? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. This concept of me having more of my day, I get kind of like, you know, that thing where like, it's like an article you always see where it's like, well, this if you follow these five steps, you'll make a million dollars in yeah, five yeah. in five days. Yeah. And they're like, this is how I start my day. I wake up at 4 a.m. Yeah, I can't. Like, I, I, can't. I can't do that. But at the same time, I do want to wake up at 6.30 a.m. just to lay in my bed some more, but be awake for it. Yeah, I definitely think, like, all my ambition is gone. And I, even when I say it, I feel like I'm like, like my I'm just turning into a ghost as I say it but it's so hard to have any kind of drive or passion now like I straight up am like what am I even gonna do at work and I don't know if it's oh my god (laughs) just like start crying (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's because like it's a combination of like it's January so literally like I think today we had like five customers all day which is so great um it's lockdown January. Like it's a combination of mm-hmm. so much things that just feel like I'm not achieving anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. January famously the city that never sleeps. January. January. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just like I don't think people also talk enough about how important beds are. So comforting. So awesome. Sometimes when I'm just laying in bed watching TV for like 14 hours, I'll just be like. Do other people my age do this? You know? I love my room. I love my room. I love my room so much that sometimes I feel like a little high school kid because I'm like in my room on my phone and I'm like, mm. don't bug me, mom and dad. But it's just like, <laughs> it's just me and Ray. So I saw a TikTok the other day where it was like, it's one of those things where like, it's just like panning across a quiet room. But then there's like writing at the bottom, just being like, uh, you waking up on a Saturday uh, during uh, summer vacation and you're in high school. And it's just like that classic morning dew yeah. and birds are singing for some reason. And every, I'm just like, I want that yeah. back. <laughs> uh, well, I kind of feel like 
now that there's no point of being anymore, um, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm on summer vacation forever. Like I've just run out of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. And like, we've never even talked on the podcast about how obsessed I become with characters and shows. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when COVID was bad and I watched every season of Gossip Girl? Yeah. And then I was like crying when it ended because my friends were going to be going away. And then I just watched the finale on a loop a bunch of times. It's like, I need to leave my house. <laughs> Like, it's really not good. I don't know. Like, people are like, how do you manage your anxiety in COVID? Because famously, I'm one of the only people in my friend group who's just, like, not seeing anyone at all. Like, I'm not even doing winter walks or anything right now. I'm just staying home because I'm very scared of COVID. And I, I want to be respectful to the community as much as possible. And someone's like, well, how do you manage being so lonely? My therapist, how do you manage? Whatever. I literally watched 20 seasons of Survivor in a row. Time well spent, though. Those are my real friends now. (laughs) 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 Anyways, uh, going to work feels pointless, but could be wrong. Ray, what do you think? I don't know. If if I was going to say one positive. Oh, yeah. Just to dig the Rocky Road Squares. Oh my God, they're so good. I do. (laughs) It's worth bringing one home for dinner. Yeah, but that being said, finally, Little Joe's makes a good treat. Am I right? Finally, I just read a review recently that said there's no care put in any of the treats. I'll kill you. (laughs) People will just type something and put it out in the ether. I never read the shop reviews, and I actually read this one. And literally when I saw that, I was like, man, the amount of anxiety that I put into every single thing I do and doubt and stress to read a comment that's like, there's no care put in anything. It's just not even constructive. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. Like, it would be one thing if they were like, oh, well, I don't don't know. You know what? I don't care. I actually don't care about you, Denise. Denise is getting called out on this episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. What were you going to say? The one reason it's worth going to work? Oh, it, especially specifically if you're talking about anxiety. Yeah. Like for me, it does give you a bit of routine, which is nice. Yeah, it's true. It does give you a routine. It breaks up the day. It feels like the thing about going to work is it's really like it feels good to come home. And then it makes it feel like um, reminds you why you love your bed so much. Mm-hmm. Because you ever get to this point where you feel like you've taken your bed for granted? Yeah, always. Yeah, that's how I feel when I come home from work. I'm always like, I'll never treat you like this again, baby. Yeah, it's like if every morning, if there was a theme song to leaving, yeah. leaving your bed, it would be like, be like, if I could turn back time. <laughs> and then... But then when you were coming back, the theme song would just be what's that song okay you think of yours this is what i'm gonna think it would be with the theme song i'm coming home would be did a bad bad thing (laughs) did a bad bad thing you know yeah it's from eyes wide shut that Mm. movie about like you know bad boy being a bad encounters but 
in my case is just like fluffing the pillows mm. yeah and falling asleep what song were you thinking i just thought of it it's Ain't nothing gonna slow me right down. down. <laughs> Ain't nothing gonna break my stride. Oh no, I got to keep on grooving. Oh man, good good song. Good song. Yeah. Well, working. What do you? I got hardly to- know her. <laughs> That's all for us. <laughs> Well, 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 it looks like we're at the end of another episode. Make sure to subscribe, to like, to rate and review, whatever you got to do to make this podcast the number one podcast in the world. Business Baby is hosted and created by Little Joe. Reviews and comedy by Ray. And of course, jingles, technical and music by Jesse Dangerously. And don't forget to check out this season's sponsor, Ottawa Green Business, and of course, EnviroCenter. Like I said earlier, we're going to include both of their socials in the bio for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.